0: May our thoughts, words, and actions be holy and acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In our gospel lesson from Luke that we just heard, we find Jesus wandering through the borderlands between Samaria and Galilee. He's on his inexorable journey towards Jerusalem. Towards the cross, towards the suffering and pain, and towards resurrection, and in this in-between space, while traveling along the road, ten people see him and cry out, "Jesus, Master, and have mercy on us." We learn that these are people who are suffering from leprosy, and this term leprosy was sort of a catch-all term that encompassed all of these different skin diseases, contagious debilitating skin diseases that affected the entire body systemically. And while these physical symptoms were undoubtedly unpleasant, the suffering was even more compounded because of the removal from community. These people weren't allowed to stay in the town. They weren't allowed to stay with their families. They weren't allowed to work. They weren't allowed to go to celebrations. They were excommunicated and removed from the town. There was a specific ritual for this when somebody came down with leprosy and had to leave the community. And the ritual bears remarkable similarity to the rituals of a funeral. That's how final it was. It was the complete severing of ties akin to death. So there on the outskirts of the village, in the middle of nowhere, removed from community, in physical pain and with great emotional distress, these people, they see Jesus, and they recognize something divine in them, and they can't help but cry out. His response to them is simple. He says, go see the priests, and that's it. I wonder what this moment was like for them. Were they filled with hope? Were they expectant on what could happen? Were they seeing salvation right in front of them? Perhaps the return to life was palpable. And then, anticlimactically, Jesus does nothing. I wonder if they were like Naaman and they wanted, you know, elaborate rituals or Jesus to wave hands over their skin. But we find no elaborate incantations, no prescribed formulas, none of what would have been expected to accompany a healing. He just tells them to go and present themselves to the priest. In order to be brought back into society, the priest would have to examine them, declare them healed, and then perform rituals of a cleansing. So they go to the priest, And miraculously, on their way, they're healed. And one of them looks down and he sees that his skin is clear. And when he sees this miracle, he felt it fully. He couldn't help but cry out in joy, praising God. He returned to Jesus in gratitude, and this is where the miracle is made complete. It's not in the priest's cleansing rituals, the completion is found, the salvation is found in the expression of gratitude. And this is the whole point of the story. The works of God are completing in our saying thanks. Without gratitude, they're not finished. They're not fully realized. They're sort of seeds of a plant that hasn't been watered yet. And gratitude is that fertilizer and that water that makes it grow. The Swiss theologian François Bourbon, in writing about this passage, he describes it as this. The second part of the story, the peak of the narrative, invites the reader to discover the truth that if one's faith is not accompanied by gratitude, but remains unidimensional, it is not true faith. It remains Stuck on the level of miracle and never reaches up to the level of salvation. Now it's not that the other mind works weren't words. It's not that they weren't brought back into community. It's that their salvation wasn't fully realized. It's that the new life begun in them wasn't fully accomplished. God's work within them wasn't completed. The physical was cured, but not the spiritual. But then there's this one person. This one person who received the full grace of healing with his action of gratitude. Now, this point is emphasized by his being a Samaritan. The unlikely person, the one who wasn't like all of the others, the one who didn't have all of the right steps to follow in all of that, because it's reversed our expectations here, it points out it's about gratitude. It's not about being the right thing or doing the right thing. It's about having a thankful heart. God's work and our faith is made complete in our gratitude. So how do we express gratitude as the community of Trinity Church, and as individuals? I think for me the most obvious way is by gathering around this sacred table each week. How often do we think of what we do here as giving thanks, as expressing gratitude? But that's what it is. If you look in your bulletin, it's called The Great Thanksgiving. The word Eucharist we use comes from the Greek word Eucharistia, which means thanksgiving. If you listen to the Eucharistic prayer this morning, see how many times the word thank is used. Coming here, coming to this table, this is a way of concentrating ourselves like that man did at the feet of Jesus and saying, thank you. In the first century, there was this writing called the Didache, or the teachings of the apostles, and it was circulated around all of the churches, and it's one of our first examples of the Eucharist outside of the scriptures. And do you know the post-communion prayer is actually longer than the entire Eucharistic prayer? We have quite the opposite now, but their emphasis was on the saying of faith. Gathering and consuming bread made body and wine made blood should be an act rising out of a truly grateful heart. Another way we express our gratitude is with our money, and I feel this is obligatory to say because we're going into stewardship season, and um, so we have to kind of get that out of the way, but in the next few weeks you will be hearing more about our stewardship campaign. But how do we think of the money as we give to the church? Do we think it's an obligation? Is it something we're guilted into? Or is it something that comes out of a thankful heart? Is it an extension of our love for God and our love for each other and our love for this place? When you put money in the offering basket or you click the buttons online, do you say thank you? that is an expression of our gratitude. Another way we express our gratitude is through our actions, and I think this is something that we've got down really well here at Trinity. It can take so many forms, but at its heart is the idea of service to others. It can be harvesting vegetables so that those in need may have fresh, healthy food. It can be building beds for young people who don't have them so that they can actually have a restful night's sleep. It can be making calls and visits and writing cards to those who are lonely and in need of a really visible demonstration of God's love. It can be preparing our altar or the flowers so that the beauty draws us deeper into the beautiful mystery of God. It can be coming every Thursday and giving up your time to rehearse so that you can lift up your voice on Sundays and meet us all in our communal song. And perhaps, most importantly, it's doing those quiet little things that nobody notices, those things that make a difference and our true expression of the gratitude in our hearts. One final way of expressing gratitude is through our words. When I think about how we use our words as a community, I'm always struck by the form of the praise of the people that we're using today, form six. And in this prayer, there are spaces to add petitions, there are spaces to add thanksgivings and to pray for those who have died. And when we get to the positions, we have our long parish prayer list and there's everything there. And then when we get to the thanksgivings, it's silent. I wonder if this morning there's an invitation to, in that space, say what you are thankful for. You know we don't like speaking out loud in the prayers, but maybe we can try it this morning to bring that expression of gratitude and then, of course, there are the personal or individual words that we all use. This could, could, could be something complex, like we one of the prayers in our prayer book. At the back of the prayer book are thanksgivings. There's the general thanksgiving and the litany of thanksgiving. And that can be meaningful or it can be as simple as the word thank you. When I think about expressing gratitude to God, I, I think of my father. In our family, we always bless the food before we eat it. And my grandmother was notorious for really long blessings. My family called them soup coolers because by the time she was done, the food was cold. And I don't know if it's a reaction to that, but my father, when he blesses the food, his blessing is just simply, thank you. That's it. Just two words. That's all we need. I try to end every night with those simple words, thank you, thank you, God. Only one returned. Only one came back to express gratitude, and it was the one whom we would not expect. But yet, God's miraculous work was made complete in him through this action. So let us join this good Samaritan. May our words this morning and tomorrow and the next week and the next month be shouts of praise and thanksgiving. As we prostrate ourselves at Jesus' feet, we may we experience the completeness of God's work each and every day of our lives.